once again, if you have available time after service tonight, uh, tomorrow, all day will be here, or there will be those here. And then even Saturday morning, we can use all the help we can get, making it better and better for the Lord and our guests. Psalms 66, starting in verse 10. For thou, O God, hast proved us. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried. Thou broughtest us into the net. Thou laidst affliction upon our loins. Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. but Thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place. I will go into thy house with burnt offerings. I will pay thee my vows, which my lips have uttered and my mouth have spoken when I was in trouble. I will offer unto thee burnt sacrifices of fatlings with the incense of rams. I will offer bullocks with goats. Selah. Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. I want to preach to you this evening with the help of the Lord on the normal Christian life. The normal Christian life. Reverend Hill, sir, would you please pray over our message and messenger. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Appreciate Reverend Sister Hill. They were here with us uh, last night until, I don't know, close to midnight. And then again today through the day. And uh, really have been a huge blessing to us. Appreciate them. There's something about the brand new Christian. When we get saved, usually there's something that's happening in our life that causes us to come to Christ. Sometimes it's a huge catastrophe that has taken place, maybe a rupture in a relationship, maybe a bad diagnosis from a doctor, maybe a, a, a situation you're dealing with, and finally it forces you to come to God. When you come to God, the idea is now that I'm serving God, things will be different. Well, now it's certainly got to be smooth. Now it's certainly got to be better. And it is better because we know that our sins have been washed away. And we know that God is on our side. But sometimes that brand new Christian is surprised because they think that entering into the Christian life will mean that, well, there's no more troubles, no more trials. And perhaps they're surprised when they fry eggs and the sons of God don't shout for joy. Or when they use the restroom and the angels don't cry hallelujah. 
things aren't the way that they thought they would be. And so, they're surprised that there's difficulty, there's struggle, there's problems. But if we look into the Psalms tonight, we read what the psalmist wrote. Though the psalmist was not a Christian as we are, he was a believer in God. Old Testament believers and New Testament believers were were different in the sense that we who are born again have Christ living in us. But he was a follower of God and we begin to see a very similar uh, uh, principle or pattern in his life and in, in our lives. That's why I believe God gives us the word of God. So we can lead it, we can read it and give, we are given a road map as to how we are to live. And so when we read these verses that I read to you tonight, we begin to see that the normal believer, the normal God-fearer, the normal uh, God-follower's life is not just a life of ease and comfort, but it's a life of trial. The psalmist wrote, For thou, O God, hast proved us, thou hast tried us, as silver is tried. And if you know anything about silver being purified, it wasn't done through just wiping it off. They heated it up. And that heat began to separate the impurities in the metal. And then the the silversmith would scoop off the impurities. Some say that he would continue to heat it until he would scoop off all the impurities and he could see his own likeness in in that molten metal. And so God in his desire to purify us, purify us, sends us through the one thing that he knows will cause us to become pure, and that is difficulties. And so the normal Christian life isn't a life void of difficulties and trials. No, on the contrary, God allows us to go through these trials and difficulties, not because he is a cruel father, not because he is an uncaring parent, but because he loves us and he knows that the resistance will make us stronger. He knows that the resistance will will begin to develop Christian character in our life. He does not want us to be a bunch of weaklings. He does not want us to be a bunch of uh, uh, chocolate soldiers. That was, by the way, C.T. Studd was a great missionary. And he preached a message called Chocolate Soldiers. And it was referring to those, those, so, those chocolate soldiers you would get at Christmas time. Wrapped in the foil. They looked like little soldiers. But the only problem was, when you get that chocolate soldier around heat, he melts. And so his message was that we who are Christians are not to be like that when the hardship and the difficulties comes. We are not to melt and and give in to the difficulties. We are to stand. We are to be different. The trials are what bring about the strength of a Christian. It's not those that we admire that have been through lives of ease. But it's those who have come through the battle. We honor those soldiers who come back with uh, Medal of Honor, they didn't get the Medal of Honor because they had a, a, a paper cut. They didn't get the Medal of Honor because they, uh, they, they worked eight and a half hours instead of eight hours. Usually, and you can read them, it's very, it's quite interesting. When you begin to read the Medal of Honor uh, citations, you'll read Sergeant, Sergeant John Smith charged through four enemy machine gun nests. 
He was mortally wounded, and yet he dragged three of his fellow soldiers out of a harm's way. In the midst of all that, he gave the ultimate sacrifice and he died. And they give them the medal of honor posthumously after they've died. And they share all that he went through. And we honor those people and those who, who have gotten the Medal of Honor and survived. They, they are held in some of the highest degree of honor in all the military. Anybody that's ever been in the military knows that that person must have gone through hell in either saving somebody else or defending his country or defending his, his fellow people. Those are the people we honor. And so God, in making us the best soldier that we can be, allows us to go through the battle. But the difference between the Christian and the non-Christian is that God said, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so don't be surprised. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try you. Matter of fact, you ought to be on the alert, on the lookout if things are too easy. God, what's going on? Because we need the strength training, if you will. The psalmist said, Thou, God, hast proved us. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried. Thou broughtest us into the net. Thou laidst affliction upon our loins. The psalmist was saying, God, you allowed things to come our way. I thought when I became a Christian, things were going to be smooth and easy. But on the contrary, you allowed things to come my way. Don't think it's because God doesn't love you. Don't think it's because God is against you. It's because God loves you. Think, I love this verse. In 1 Corinthians, he says this. He says, God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape. So God is saying, I trust you so much that I will not allow something to come your way that I won't help you through. And so if some battle is coming my way and it seems overwhelming, I can say, God, you have a lot of faith in me. And I know you won't let something come my way that you and I can't see through it. And so I'm going to keep on going. And I know uh, just a little bit longer, a little bit further, and maybe I'll break through this storm and I'll come out on the other side. I know you won't let something come my way to destroy me, but you're letting it come my way to make me. I love you tonight. Can I help you? When we come to church, can you imagine having somebody come to see you and them being disgruntled as they came into your house? You invited them over and they all came in and they just sat there. <laughs> can you imagine that? What would you feel? It would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? You're inviting them over. Hey, I got some food for you. Come on over. Let's fellowship. You get five or ten, fifteen people, and they all come in the living room, and they're like, "Do you know we've come into God's house tonight? You know God has invited us in tonight, and God is why is He invited? He wants to fellowship with us. He's got spiritual food for us. He's got something good for us. Why well, don't like brother so and so? I don't like sister so and so. Get over it, man. Pray through." Realize I'm coming to God's house. If I'm coming to God's house, he's got something good. I ought to come in with thankfulness. And God, you invited me to your house. 
God, you've got something good, man. What do you got on the table? God, I can't wait. I know it's going to be a blessing, and I'm hungry. I need something for my soul, brother. We ought to come with joy. We ought to enter into his courts with thanksgiving in our heart, enter into his gates with thanksgiving in our heart, into his courts with praise. You got to understand that. I know your flesh doesn't want to do it sometimes. You got to tell your flesh what to do. Let me obey the word of God. Let me come in with thanksgiving and praise instead of coming in with grumpiness. I don't like what you're serving. Man, can you imagine that? I don't know if I've ever, by God's grace, been that way. Now I'm going to go in, I'm going to eat whatever it is they serve me and just be thankful, amen. At least take a bite of it and say, well, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. You're so kind. You spent your money and your time and your effort. I appreciate it. The normal Christian life is a life that does have trial. He laid affliction on us not because he doesn't love us, but because he wants us to become stronger. Listen, verse 12, thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. But thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place. Point two, what is a normal Christian life? It consists of deliverance. Listen, as the, the writer is writing, he said, you brought me through the fire. You brought me through the water. It was almost as if he's talking about it. You know, sometimes you look back and you've gone through things together with somebody and say, brother, do you remember when we only had a half a package of ramen to share between us? Do you remember, sister, when things were kind of tough and God did this? Do you remember when we were fighting that battle and God did this? you remember we went through the battle? We went through the fire. We went through the water. And then he said, but oh, God, you brought me into a wealthy place. God, you brought me through and you gave me deliverance. The normal Christian life has trial. But if there is no trial, there can be no victory. The normal Christian life has victory because God lets the trial come through then he can give us the victory and we can stand back and shout and say, God, how good you are. Can't have a victory if you don't have a battle. Amen. Amen. He said, thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place. I will go into thy house with burnt offering. I will pay thee my vows, which my lips have uttered, and my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. What does a normal Christian life has? It has trial. It has deliverance. Then it has thanksgiving. He said, God, I remember when I was in the battle, I made some promises. I said, God, if you'll just get me out of this, if you'll just rescue me this time, I won't go back into it again. Amen. Lord, if you'll just get me through this. But the psalmist was different. He remembered his vows. And when he, God had brought him into a wealthy place, he turned around and said, And God, I'm going to offer my thanksgiving, my sacrifices of fatlings. I'm going to bring my offering of sacrifice. I'm going to bring my incense of rams. I will offer the bullocks with goats. He said, I remember well, I didn't have anything, and you brought me into a wealthy place, and so now I'm going to come and I'm going to thank you. You know, I understand sometimes when things are going smooth, there might not be quite as much 
uh, incentive or urgency to thank God as much. Because, well, I've got money in the bank. My body's feeling good. Got food in the refrigerator. My wife's treating me nice. Thank you, Jesus. But we ought to, we ought to look back and say, but God, I remember when I was sick as a dog. You ever been so sick? You ever get a good batch of food poisoning? I mean, you're so sick and you can't hardly keep anything in. You're nauseous. That's one of the most miserable feelings you can have. Can't get any rest. Can't take any food in. You can't hardly think right. Your, your stomach is retching. Uh, you're having to go to the, the bathroom left and right and back and forth and, and on and on and on. And, and then finally you break three and you're able to take and hold something down. And you begin to get a little bit of strength. And you say, oh, man, it's good to be healthy. Amen. Man, it's so good to be able to eat again. Man, it's so good. I'm not sweating and, and sweating through all my sheets and all my clothes again. Man, it's so good to be healthy. What makes us appreciate health? Sometimes passing through sickness. And so trial, deliverance, thanksgiving. But the psalmist goes on. He says this, verse 16. Come and hear, all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. What is the next point? The normal Christian life is filled with declaration. We begin to tell others, let me tell you what God did. Man, I was through the trial, but he delivered me. I offered him thanksgiving, but let me tell you how good my, come and hear. Come and hear, amen. Man, some of you tonight, I need your help. Are you with me? Some of you Christians, come jump on the wagon with me, Amen. And say, let's go, pastor. Let's have a good time tonight. Because others are just out there and they're just growling at me. I love you. If I've done something wrong, let me know. I'll make it right. As far as I know, my heart is pure. Amen. But I want to be like the psalmist. Come and hear. I will declare what he hath done for my soul. Has God done anything for you? Has God ever forgiven you? Has he ever brought in money just in time? Has he ever, has he ever healed your body? Has he ever worked something out at work? Has he ever helped you and your family? Has he ever done, brother, we ought to declare, come and let me tell you what my God did. Sometimes he gives us the battle so we can get the victory, so we can tell somebody else that God can give you the victory too. Amen. He said, let me share with you what my God, I will declare what he had done for my soul. Let me tell you, he said, I cried unto him with my mouth. He was extolled with my tongue. He was lifted up high. God, thank you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for bringing me up. When I was lukewarm, you lit a fire in my heart again. When I was unfeeling, you made me, you made me feel again. You made my heart beat again. You did an open heart surgery and you massaged my heart to where I could sense what's right and wrong. And I understood I have a purpose and I have a job again. God, thank you. He said that he was extolled with my tongue. Now this is strange. This is how the psalmist wrote it. I've given you four points. God brings us trial. Thank God for the trial. Don't begrudge it. Count it all joy, James said. He gives us deliverance. And then when we're through the deliverance, he gives us thanksgiving. And as we thank him, we declare to the others, let me tell you what God's done. And then he says this. This is 
Kind of strange where it is. But at the end of this, he said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. He talks about being clean. After everything's said and done, he said, if I know something's not right, I know God won't answer my prayer. Can't have any confidence going to God, knowing that I'm not living right. And so at the end of all this, he talks about maintaining this clean heart. If I regard iniquity in my heart. James, or rather John said, said it this way. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. He talked about staying in the light, not going, dipping into the darkness. Having that fellowship, keeping my heart clean. Because if I keep my heart clean, then I know everything's going to be all right. I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. No matter what comes my way, kill me if you want. My heart's clean. You're just going to send me to heaven. Amen. I'm not asking you to, but what I'm saying is worst case scenario, your heart's right. You're going to go to heaven. Put your guns down. <laughs> He said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But then he says this, but verily, truly, God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. You see, sometimes trial comes so we can get the, the things that aren't clean out. And then we can say, God, I see that there's some things that aren't right. Cleanse me. And then once he cleanses us, he hears us. He said, verily God hath heard my prayer. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. And then he said this, blessed be God, get ready musicians, which hath not turned away my prayer nor his mercy from me. If there's a common thing that we need as Christians, it's God's mercy. I need it today like I needed it 30 some years ago when I first got saved. I need his mercy then, I need it now, I'll need it tomorrow. None of us are perfected, we are to live to become perfect, but we need mercy from God, from one another. We need, we need it and we need to give it. So what is the normal Christian life? It's not a life of ease and comfort, it's not a life void of trials and tribulation, not a, a life of of uh, so much money, you've got a different car for every day of the week. It's a life of trial, but he said he'll never leave you. It's a life of deliverance, so we have a testimony. Let me tell you what God did. It's a life of thanksgiving. He's so good to us. A life of declaration, coming here. And finally, a life of being clean. Sometimes I have nightmares. What are your nightmares, preacher? Is it some monster attacking you? My nightmares are that I sinned. I did some sin. I knocked out of the ministry. Maybe I find myself outside without clothes on or something. I said, oh, my Lord, what happened? You ever had those kind of crazy dreams? And you wake up and you're like, thank God. I didn't want to disqualify myself by doing some crazy sin. Amen. I want to be clean. I want God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. 
Hey, if you're here tonight and you say, I'm not clean. You can be. You can come to him and say, Jesus, forgive me. Maybe you're going through a battle. God hasn't forgotten about you. You're not his redheaded stepchild. You're his son. You're his daughter. Come. That battle is meant to push you closer to him. The doors are open. The altars are here. After this, you can say, oh, I have a great testimony. God didn't let me down. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, we thank you for each one you brought tonight. Now we pray that you would speak, move in this altar call. God, we need you. We need your mercy every day. We thank you. Now, God, I pray, forgive, deliver, save, accomplish your will in Jesus' name. These altars are open. Let's come find a place of prayer tonight.